good afternoon, everybody. Um, uh, and uh, that's an honor to be here. Uh, I actually, um, I have some, I know some uh, faces here, and it's good uh, 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 to uh, be here. Um, um, this is an interesting uh, uh, topic that uh, was given to me, and uh, I'm sure that we are going to have uh, a good discussion. So, uh, uh, Dr. Simpson talked about the, the case, a 54 years old lady treated for AML in CR, um, uh, but MRD positive. Uh, she has a fully matched uh, uh, donor, it's a sibling donor. Uh, should uh, we go ahead with transplant, or should we monitor the patient's MRD, give some chemo? Uh, that's a quite interesting question. Um, so uh, uh, before I answer it, I will have to say, I'm honest with you, for MRD-positive relapsed refractory AM, AML in adults, no state-of-art therapy, to be honest with you, in 2019. It's different from ALL. Obviously, with ALL, if the patient is MRD-positive, now you have an FDA-approved drug, which is a blinotumumab, but AML is a different story. So no standard chemotherapy regimen. Obviously, the goal is achieving CR, MRD negative. I prefer to take a patient to transplant whose MRD is negative, uh, but how we can incorporate new uh, targeted uh, therapies into the overall strategic plan. Uh, so can we use MRD as a way to uh, obviously modify our treatment strategy in patients? Uh, can we use it to uh, risk-adjusted uh, treatment as we do it, for example, in ALL patients? And uh, how MRD status uh, directs the decision who to transplant or not to transplant? Obviously, transplant is a big stick, isn't it? You know, the 100-day uh, mortality is 5%. If a matched sibling transplant in the first Two years, non-transplant-related mortality is 10 to 15 percent. If it's a mod transplant, two-year non-transplant, uh, two-year transplant-related mortality is about 20 to 25 percent. So, if we can't avoid transplant, that's you know it would benefit the patient. Uh, question number three: Can we distinguish early recovery from persistent AML? Uh, or other question: Can we predict early relapse by using MRD? or how and when to convert MRD positive to MRD negative. Can we do that? So what is this uh, minimal or measurable residual uh, 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 disease or uh, MRD? So this is obviously detection of the leukemic cells. Uh, uh, when we talk about CR, we look under the microscope or pathologists look under the microscope. If the blasts are less than 5%, when the no absolute nostrophicon is above 1,000 and platecons above 100,000, we call it CR. But in MRD, obviously, we are using different techniques. We could use multicolor flow cytometry and with the sensitivity 10 uh, to the power of 3 uh, to the power of 4, or we could use a uh, PCR, and uh, the molecular CR is uh, if the uh, uh, MRD is less than 0.01. For patients who are Philadelphia positive, they, uh, um, uh, that's a typo. The BCR ABL1 ABL ratio should be less than 0.1. Uh, here it uh, says 0.15. That's a mistake. It should be 0.1. Uh, 
and how we could do uh, detection of MRD by uh, uh, multicolor flow in AML. Obviously, you want to uh, differentiate uh, normal leukemic cells from um, abnormal uh, myeloid cells, and there is a, a concept called leukemia-associated immunophenotype, but this is a, a, a very different, actually. Common um, leukemia-associated immunophenotypes are probably uh, less than 5%, and make it in a standard way is very difficult. There are aberrant lymphoid antigens, such as CD19, CD7, CD56, aberrant levels of normally expressed antigens, and then uh, early or later antigens. Uh, and uh, you need an expert to know the, the patterns of normal and regenerating uh, uh, and bone marrow, and, and then we should be able to compare MRD to the original phenotype at diagnosis. You, you need to have done this at diagnosis as well. And uh, uh, so th this is, could be challenging. As I mentioned, the sensitivities tend to the uh, power of minus four, and uh, it's available. Uh, however, uh, it depends on the number of the cells, or they call it events. Uh, it's, uh, from an equipment point of view, is uh, intensive, uh, it needs, a, as I mentioned, an expert. So many centers send it to central labs. It hasn't been a standard yet. And the anti-expression might change post-chemotherapy. So it might, when patients relapse, you might, you might find new, actually, antigens. And I would say this technique is applicable to about 80% of patients with AML. This is a study from Germany, and they look at the, uh, the log uh, difference after induction. These patients were in complete remission, um, and uh, they look at the MRD by, uh, by flow cytometry, and interestingly, patients uh, whose uh, log reduction was, the log difference was more than 25%, they had a better relapse-free uh, survival, but the overall survival didn't matter. The same study, they look at um, MRD by flow after consolidation, and patients who uh, uh, had more than 25% log difference, uh, uh, both they had better re relapse-free survival and overall survival. Uh, you could uh, use PCR. Uh, there are uh, certain uh, uh, leukemic fusion transcripts, such as uh, translocation 1517 in APL, translocation 18. 21 or inversion 16. Uh, obviously, this is applicable to about, uh, I would say, 25 to 30 percent uh, uh, cases of, of AML, and uh, it's sensitive. Uh, uh, however, uh, it's not widely available. Uh, as I mentioned, since it's, it's uh, limited, you can't use it for everybody. It's about in 25 to 30 percent, and uh, uh, it still needs uh, some type of standardization in, in, the, uh, in the method. Uh, you could do mutation detection, such as NPM1, uh, FLIT3, MNL, KIT, and DMN3A. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, NPM1 uh, is seen in about 30% uh, uh, of patients with AML, and not actually 50% of patients who have AML and uh, they have normal karyotype. And um, uh, there is uh, some data that detecting uh, uh, NPM1 after induction uh, can actually 
um, uh, have prognostic value in whom is going to, to relapse. This is a, a study from uh, France, and uh, they uh, monitored the uh, patients' uh, MPM1 um, uh, after induction, and those who um, had uh, at least uh, more than four log reduction in the NPM1 after induction, those patients did match uh, better. Uh, they did this on, on peripheral blood and, and bone marrow, and this was right uh, before uh, taking the, 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 the uh, uh, patients to uh, a stem cell transplant. You could uh, look at the, this is again uh, looking at the MRD in patients with core binding factors, which, uh, uh, which are considered uh, good risk AML, and uh, again, uh, patients uh, who um, uh, were uh, positive for MRD long term, they, um, uh, they uh, had uh, more risk for, uh, for, for, for relapse. So they divided patients to two groups. Uh, one group, the, the level of MRD was less than 1%. Their, the probability of relapse was lower in, in those patients. Um, checking the, for uh, uh, PMLRAR alpha in APL patients, uh, these days we are doing it more frequently. Um, uh, you could do it on peripheral blood, and uh, there, there is actually good data that uh, patients who become MRD negative uh, um, after induction, uh, they do much better um, uh, later on. Um, and uh, I would say in all um, uh, commerce APL about um, uh, five, five to ten percent of them could, could relapse. If it's uh, high risk APL, about ten to fifteen percent uh, they could uh, relapse long term. So uh, checking um, uh, MRD by, by, uh, uh, by PCR, looking at the PMLRA alpha on prefraud is a good way to m- monitor these uh, patients. The question is that how frequent we should do that? It, it hasn't been again SMDRs yet. Uh, there is data about uh, using uh, next-generation uh, sequencing in, in patients. The sensitivity is uh, 10 to the uh, power of minus 6, uh, 10 to the power of minus 7. It's very sensitive uh, and specific, uh, and uh, you could uh, uh, use uh, either on fresh or uh, frozen uh, samples. It's uh, relatively standardized. Uh, it's very expensive and not widely uh, 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 available, you, you need to have a central lab. And uh, this is uh, looking at uh, MRD by NGS in, in patients who um, uh, receive induction chemotherapy, they were in complete remission, and there are certain um, mutations that uh, are, uh, when we get older, we uh, develop clonal hematopoiesis, and uh, sometimes they actually could, uh, um, uh, 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 could uh, make the picture a bit uh, muddy, so we should be able to uh, differentiate uh, uh, those uh, mutations. Uh, talking about uh, MRD, and uh, uh, our colleague from Colorado mentioned about uh, uh, the, uh, uh, use, uh, the newly approved uh, FLIT2 inhibitors, um, we know that uh, there is some uh, data about uh, uh, using maintenance. Uh, this is uh, 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 from a, a retrospective study, patients who uh, were uh, put on sorafenib, they were started around day 60 to day 100 after ALO, um, and uh, uh, they were given 
sorafenib. And as you see, patients who were given sorafenib maintenance had a significantly higher overall survival at two years and progression-free survival. Uh, I have to add that uh, sorafenib is not FDA approved uh, for maintenance, but it's a, uh, it has uh, anti-flittery uh, uh, effects. And uh, uh, this was a retrospective study, and uh, interestingly, these uh, patients did not have increased incidence of graft-versus-host disease there. Um, there were some anecdotal uh, data that uh, if you put patients on sorafenib post-transplant, you could increase the risk of uh, graft-versus-host uh, disease. Uh, this was a, uh, a soramine trial. It was a prospective study uh, that they used uh, sorafenib uh, post-ALO for patients with AML who were FLT3 ITD uh, positive. The previous study, uh, which... Uh, I talked, this was again for FLT3 ITD, not TKD. As you know, the majority of patients who are FLT3 positive are FLT3 ITD. This was a prospective study. Unfortunately, it was closed early because they couldn't enroll many patients. But it was randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, controlled multicenter study, and two years relapse free survival for sorafenib was 85% and for the, um, the placebo group was about 53.2%. So um, uh, as you see, more than 31% difference in, in, in uh, relapse-free survival. So, so patients, um, I think that's uh, something that we need to pay attention. As I mentioned, sorafenib is not FDA approved uh, for AML uh, and for maintenance uh, post-transplant. Uh, there is um, uh, interesting data about using low-dose azacitidine uh, post-transplant patients. And uh, this, is, again, is not FDA-approved. However, there is a, a data that if you use azacitidine, somehow it, uh, uh, in, it um, modulates the, uh, the, um, the donor T cells and the number of CD8-positive T cells go up in, in, in these patients, and it improves, as you see, patients who had increased CD8 positive cells, they had a better relapse-free survival. And interestingly, it somehow has some modulatory effect on, on, on patients, and it, the G, you would get GVL without GVHD. This is another uh, study that uh, used low-dose uh, azacitidine uh, for patients with AML and MDS. When I say low-dose uh, azacitidine, it's about uh, like bit around like 35 milligram per meter square, uh, starting between day uh, 40, 45 to day 60. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, obviously uh, not FDA approved, but uh, people have started using this for uh, patients who are high-risk uh, um, or if there are MRD positive right before transplant, they think that uh, this might be a good strategy. And it, as you see here, it uh, improves not only uh, event-free survival, but also overall survival. Uh, 
the issue is that why we use low-dose uh, uh, azacitin here, as you know, post-transplant patients have a lousy uh, hematopoiesis. So uh, if you want to give them chemotherapy, it could drop the counts. Uh, there is a, a, a risk for, for example, them losing the graph. So you should be very careful to how much chemotherapy you could administer to these uh, patients. They are uh, very sensitive. And obviously, they are very immunocompromised with administering chemotherapy. You increase the risk of infection in these patients. So uh, what treatment would you uh, uh, choose um, uh, for this patient with an allo uh, um, uh, HSCT intent? To be honest with you, you could say no treatment, just go ahead with transplant. You could say go ahead with transplant, but... Uh, use uh, hypometallic agents, low-dose azacitidine. Um, if, if you give more conventional chemotherapy, single agent or combination, I am not sure, to be honest with you. Why I'm not sure? Because when you give chemo, basically, you, you, know, you increase the risk of infection, uh, chemotherapy-related side effects, and you could, actually you could worsen the patient's performance status. And, and, and if, as, as you know, when you want to take a patient to transplant, transplant is um, like, uh, the best way to, to describe transplant is uh, like to be in a roller coaster. And, um, uh, and it, as I mentioned, it's a big stick. And for transplant, you cherry pick your patients. So if you give more chemotherapy for a patient who is MRD positive, I don't think so. That's a good idea. I have to see what uh, the panel would say, but I am not in that uh, 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 camp. What about using newer agents uh, that were discussed? If a patient is MRD positive, these newer agents, if you go by the FDA approved indications, they are for relapsed refractory. They are not for MRD positive patients. So, uh, and. Uh, how long you should, you should keep these patients on this newly approved drug? Uh, th there is no data. And if you wait, as I mentioned, you know, uh, pat patients could develop side effects. Uh, the donors might not be available. So you could mess up the transplant uh, plan. What about using uh, um, uh, gem uh, gemtuzumab? Uh, so it's uh, obviously, I think this is a, uh, like... Um, uh, using uh, it's, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. One, uh, obviously, is too much for a patient who is MRD positive. The other issue is that uh, this drug is associated with increased risk for venoocclusive disease, or VOD. And uh, if you are thinking about transplants, better to shy away from, uh, from this drug. Clinical trial, I don't think you would find a clinical trial for a patient who is uh, MRD positive. So that's a... Uh, most clinical trials are looking for patients who have a measurable disease loss at least 5% or higher. So uh, uh, my take would be that uh, I would uh, take the patient to transplant. I would repeat the bone marrow around day 40 to day 60, um, check chimerism uh, and MRD, and I would use low-dose low azacitidine for, uh, after getting authorization from the insurance, obviously, and uh, checking the patient's count on a regular basis for at least uh, uh, four cycles and follow the patient. That would be my take. All right, thank you. Thank you.